You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Good morning. Welcome. We're glad to have you here this morning. And again, just as a way to kind of just, again, prepare our hearts, not only just for this morning, but just in the Advent season to come. And Advent is just simply a word that just talks about just the time leading up to Christmas, the birth of Christ. And it is a time where we can prepare our hearts and just begin to focus on uh, the greatest gift that's ever been given to mankind. And one of the ways that we're doing that this year uh, is just through the Advent candles. And each candle kind of represents a different theme. And so if you were here last week, we talked about, um, again, the first candle, which is the candle of hope. And it just talks about our hope that we have uh, through Jesus Christ. This morning, we want to kind of begin to focus on the second candle of Advent, and that is the candle of peace. Isaiah gives this word in chapter 9, beginning in verse 6, and it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And again, it's just that peace that that, uh, Jesus talked about, and he described it as a peace the world knows not of. It's, It's not a peace that's of this world. It's a peace that only comes from God. And Paul says the purpose of that peace that Christ gives us, it is to guard our hearts and our minds in all ways, in every circumstance. And so this morning, we just look and we long for that peace to settle over our hearts and our minds. Hey, Ed, come check out my North Star Christmas tree topper at Levitate's. Is this a gummy bear? Yeah, we lost baby Jesus. Hey, check out these LED lights. I have them synced up to a 76-hour all-Christmas music playlist. There's my little Christmas DJ. (laughs) (laughs) So, are you waiting till Christmas is over so you can go buy a new nativity set when they're on sale? Huh? No, no, oh no. We lost baby Jesus like 11 years ago. Is, is baby Jesus always a gummy bear? Oh, no, oh, we trade it out every year. Yeah, like uh, last year it was a uh, tiny troll doll. <laughs> and the year before that we used a uh, dog treat. They were the perfect size, but <laughs> Dalton kept taking them and eating them. You, you mean your dog kept stealing them? No, my son Dalton, he loves those dog treats. Especially the peanut butter ones. There was one year that we used a, uh, a doll head. That was creepy. We, we made a modeling clay, baby Jesus. So the dog took that one too. Um, one year we got desperate and used an ice cube. 
That was a mess and a mess. Yeah, just seems like everything we try to replace baby Jesus with never lasts. Say that again. Everything we try to replace baby Jesus with never seems to last. And? And what? Say it again, slowly. Why? Just do it, dulcimo, slowly, do it. I don't understand what's happening. Just do it. This is getting weird. Say it! Fine! But when I'm done saying this, you're gonna march in here and you're gonna watch my star levitate. Fine, 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 do it. Fine. Everything we try to replace baby Jesus with never seems to, oh, yep, there it is. Okay, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. That's true, isn't it? We don't just try to replace him at Christmas. We try to replace him in a lot of areas. And so that is just good advice all around. Hey, before I get into the message, I want to just cover um, a few other things. Um, last Wednesday and every Wednesday uh, through December, we're going to have the sanctuary open uh, from 9 to 5 on Wednesdays. Uh, we'll have the lights on, heat turned on, uh, you know, we'll have the Christmas tree and everything stuff on. And it's just an opportunity for uh, people to come if you'd like to uh, any time during that 9 to 5. And just kind of come up and uh, just take some time if you want to read scripture, pray, uh, just be in here to meditate. Uh, we had a, a few people take advantage of that last week. So again, we'll have it open again this Wednesday uh, from 9 to 5. You just come whenever, uh, stay as long as you'd like, and then just leave whenever you're finished. Um, we'll have communion stuff available here. So if you'd like to, as part of your time here, just to take communion, uh, that'll be available here uh, as well. So we just encourage you. Again, it's just a way of uh, preparing your heart uh, for Christmas. Uh, if that's something that works for you to come on Wednesday, uh, we would love to have you take advantage of that. Also want to just remind you, uh, baskets for giving, uh, putting your information cards. Uh, those are there at the back. We don't to pass that right now, um, but if you are looking for a place to put your uh, offering or your uh, information cards, you can just place that in the basket there in the back. And last week, I meant to do this and forgot, but was reminded again, as I kind of look around and see all the beautiful decor uh, here, uh, I just want to thank the individuals that took uh, time uh, sat last Saturday, a week ago Saturday, and kind of came in and spent quite a bit of time getting everything uh, set up for Christmas. Um, I know Jen Anderson, you were a part of that, um, and uh, I think wasn't Kathy, uh, Callie, uh, I, and I know every time you start naming names, you forget people, uh, and that really, uh, we just want to be able to say uh, on behalf of the congregation to everybody that participated in getting uh, everything set up, we really, really uh, appreciate your uh, hard work, your dedication in doing that. I think all of us would agree there's always kind of this challenge and this tension during the Christmas season uh, to really kind of keep the main thing the main thing. And, and I know COVID has kind of added a whole dimension uh, to that, uh, that tension and that challenge. And every year there are always kind of those, what we would kind of see as secondary things that are always trying to pull the focus away from Christmas and onto other things. And, and again, this year really is no different. I think one of the other challenges that we face when it comes to the Christmas story is there are supernatural elements to the Christmas story, as well as other facets of the Christian faith. 
The Bible testify and it points to many supernatural events. As a matter of fact, the supernaturalness of the Bible, of the Christian faith, really is what sets it apart from every other world religion. As a matter of fact, I don't believe you can really fully understand or really appreciate uh, Christianity or the story of Christmas apart from the supernatural. The Christmas story contains a lot of supernatural events. An angel appears to Mary telling her she will conceive a child even though she is a virgin. I mean, that is like supernatural stuff. Angelic appearances to shepherds, a, child, or a star appears to magi, not only indicating that the son has been born, but that it's there to lead and guide them to that very place. God takes on human flesh, and the scripture says that he lives among us as a human being. And Jesus comes and he lives this perfect life. He dies a perfect death. He's resurrected uh, from the dead. Uh, you know, our sins are atoned for. He, you know, is, is ascended to the right hand of the Father. And there he sits and he continues to make intercession for you and me. And again, all of this stuff points to and testifies to the supernaturalness of the Bible and of the Christian faith. And yet often we find ourselves so focused on and kind of locked into the natural world, don't we? And it's during Christmas time that, that like no other time of the year where these two worlds, the natural and the supernatural, collide. And it shouldn't surprise us or shock us. For the most part, we focus mainly on the natural world during the Christmas season. We're, we're, th we're thinking about buying Christmas gifts, putting up the tree, uh, maybe attending Christmas parties, wrapping gifts, uh, you know, shopping. And, and again, most of us are probably not going to run in you know, pregnant virgins or, or angels or wise men or shepherds who are watching over their flock by night. And yet, it's, it's these people that have a very, very unique perspective of the Christmas story. And what they see, what they witness is just extraordinary. In these weeks leading up to Christmas, we're going to be looking at what did they see? What did they experience that very first Christmas over 2,000 years ago. And so this morning, I kind of want to just start off and, and look at the eyewitness account. What did the shepherds see? What did they experience that first Christmas night? And so I want to kind of look at their reaction, their responses, again, as, as that supernatural, the natural kind of collide. And the first reaction that they have as shepherds is they react to this supernatural event with fear. Uh, Luke chapter 2 verse 8 says this, that night some shepherds were in the fields outside the village guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Now again, notice their reaction. They were terribly frightened, but the angel reassured them. These wise men, they're kind of working the graveyard shift as they often did. And 
in between sips of coffee, the supernatural just breaks forth upon them, and it says this angelic being kind of just appears out of nowhere. And their response to this supernatural event, this suddenly, was they were terrified. They were filled with fear. I mean, they're kind of shaking in their sandals. The unexpected suddenly just breaks forth among them. And they're, they're scared. They're terrified. And, and I think all of us can probably relate to that to some degree, can't we? I mean, how many of you have ever had kind of a suddenly just kind of break forth in your life that kind of caught you off guard? Something happens that, that you weren't even remotely prepared for. It may be a financial crisis. Uh, maybe your car is totaled. Your company downsizes, and all of a sudden, you're kind of found that you don't have a job. Or, or you receive maybe a serious diagnosis from your doctor. Maybe your spouse leaves you or your child calls you from jail. Things in life have a way of kind of just suddenly appearing, catching you off guard and kind of causing us great fear. And so these shepherds, as they're in the field there, they're kind of just caught unexpectedly and they become terribly afraid. And again, most of us can relate to that. Fear is a very common emotion and something we all experience. So that was their first reaction. Their second reaction is kind of found there as well, and that is, is that the angel of the Lord immediately moves in to reassure them. He says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. So in the midst of this fear the shepherds experience, the angel of the Lord immediately moves to reassure them. And that is usually the first thing that God will always do in our places of fear is he'll always move to bring us to that place of assurance, that place of comfort, of peace, and of hope. If you remember in Mark chapter 6, the disciples they're out in a boat and they're kind of in the middle of this lake and Jesus is kind of back on the land and he sees that they're struggling in the boat against very high and strong winds. And it says that Jesus kind of goes out there because he wants to uh, get to them. And, and the disciples, they're kind of having this suddenly and they're experiencing, again, uh, um, some very troubling winds and, and it's causing uh, the boat um, to be tossed to and fro. And, and again, as, as they're dealing with this thing in the natural, all of a sudden they see a supernatural. They see something walking on the water towards them. And again, they, they fear it says in, in Mark chapter 6, verse 49, but when they saw him walking on the water, they screamed in terror, thinking it was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. And again, it, it kind of sounds very familiar to the reaction the shepherds had there with the angels. And again, look at what Jesus says to them in response there in verse 50. He says, it's all right. I am here. Don't be afraid. Again, this is just one of many, many instances where a suddenly comes when the unexpected happens and fear is produced. And the first thing that God does is he moves to reassure us, to calm our fears, to bring hope, to bring peace. 
I love what it talks about there in 1 John 4, 18. Perfect love drives out all fear. Because God is perfect, his love is perfect as well. And that perfect love is there to drive out all of our fears. Fear that remains intact will cause us to focus more on the problem or the situation producing the fear and thus increase the fear. Isn't that true? You get your eyes on the fear and you get more fearful. When we allow God's perfect love to kind of enter in and just to begin to drive out that fear, it's then that we kind of begin to position ourselves to focus on him, his perfect love. And when we do that, you know what? It opens us up. It kind of positions us to be able to receive all that God has for us in that moment. Those shepherds like us, they had a choice. We have a choice as well when it comes to responding to fear and kind of embracing God's perfect love in that situation. So let me just kind of give you some really recent, I think, what are very practical examples of how fear, um, once it's produced, how it really begins to take hold and, and it really has the potential to dominate our lives uh, when there's really nothing there to fear. So I, I put up on the screen um, a September 2020 stats from the CDC. That's the Center for uh, Disease Control. And what they kind of put out and what I've put up there on the screen is, is what they kind of call the infection fatality percentages. Uh, they kind of come out with ratios. Uh, I just converted it to percentages because they're just easier to understand. And, and they did this in kind of four age categories. And what you're looking at is they're telling you if you were to become infected with COVID, depending on your age, they have broken down the, the percentages, the chances that it would be fatal. Now, let me just be really, really clear. I believe COVID is something we need to be careful with. I, I think we need to take it seriously. I think we need to take any and all reasonable precautions. That's the key. Reasonable precautions with and including face mask when it's appropriate. Uh, and again, we don't require that here. We encourage if that's something you feel you need to be safe, to feel safe, we encourage that, we bless that. Washing hands frequently. We've got hand sanitizer all around. Social distancing. You know, again, we want to protect those that are in the higher categories that are vulnerable. Again, I think those are reasonable precautions uh, that we can take in preventing the spread without fear. That's the key, is let's be reasonable, but let's also be free from fear in that. So again, let me just read these off for those of you that are listening uh, to the podcast. So if you got COVID, infected with COVID, and you're in the age range of zero to 19, the CDC says that your chances of dying from COVID are 0.003%. That's again why they don't believe there's an issue with opening the schools. It's why Dr. Fauci came out again this week and said that the, the spread rate on this is, is just almost non-existent. They see no threat uh, for, for children. And, and the CDC uh, backs this up. 
So if you're in the age range of 20 to 49, your chances of dying if infected with COVID is 0.02%. If you're in the age range of 50 to 69, your chances of dying of COVID are 0.5%. Um, if you're over 70, again, that, that higher risk category, your chances of dying if infected with COVID is 5.4%. In other words, uh, that's the bad news. The other word is, if you are infected with COVID, your chances of, of surviving that, according to the CDC, are 94.6%. Now, as you look at CDC's infection fatality percentages around the world in these three same categories, they are all about in the same ballpark. Now, some, some you know, countries are a little higher, some are lower, but as you look at this statistic around the world, they're all pretty much in the same ballpark. They're pretty consistent. Now, I look at these percentages Assuming that they're accurate, that they're true, uh, they're correct, and, and I don't have any information to dispute this. Um, but again, as I look at this, and I don't know about you, but uh, assuming that this is true, I just want to tell you the last thing I fear is fearful. It's the last thing I feel is fear. I don't feel fear at all. I, I feel a reasonable sense of confidence that if I do reasonable measures in protecting myself, and if I do get this, I, I have a very high degree of assurance that while I may you know, have a few symptoms, uh, it may be a little inconvenient, I'm going to survive. Now again, for those who are in um, you know, those higher categories, we wanna do all we can to protect them. Now again, for those of you who are in that zero to 69, the chances of you surviving COVID if affected is 99.5%. Is that worth fear? The widespread, deep, almost pathological fear that we're seeing in our country. And again, I'm not trying to make light of this. I know there are some of you here this morning, you've had this. And, and some of you had it, you know, not so bad. Others have had it bad. I, I understand that. And again, I'm not here to make light of that. For those of you who are over 70, there, again, room for caution. But again, I don't think there's anything that you should be fearful about. Because again, as I look at the overall stats of this, I feel pretty safe. I, I feel like this is good news. However, the things we're doing in our country and the things we see around the world. Our, our, again, our response, our reaction to COVID, it seems like it's more in line with those percentages really kind of being the exact opposite. That's not your survival rate. That's the chances if you get it, you're gonna die. That's kind of what it feels like the response to that is. So what we've done is we've taken this information, which again is basically pretty good news, and we have overlaid that information, that good news with fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, disbelief, extremisms, just to name a few. And what does that do? It obscures the good news. It kind of blocks out the truth. And then it kind of just buries it with negatives. We, we do that more often than we should. 
And we even do it with God's promises. Look at these uh, scriptures I've put up on the screen. First Peter 2.24 says, and he, referring to Jesus, himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin, live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. And again, that's, that's past tense. It's something that's already been done. It's been accomplished. It's been provided. By the stripes Jesus bore on the cross, we have been healed. Acts 5.16, this is again the early church. This is their reaction uh, to 1 Peter 2.24. Also, the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed healed. Matthew 8, 16, when evening came, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were ill. Now, again, all of that's good news, right? Yeah, because we know God never changes. The Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if God healed in the past but doesn't heal in the present, then he's changed. And again, that's inconsistent with his word. The Bible says God never changes, so because we were healed in the past, we can have faith, trust, and hope that we'll be healed in the present, and we can have assurances that we're gonna be healed in the future. This is his promise to his children. And what do we do with these promises of God? We overlay them with fear, doubt, worry, unbelief, extremisms. We obscure the promises, we cover over the truth of God, and we give in, we play into the negatives. Fear, doubt, worry, anxiety always has the potential of making us go backwards instead of moving us forward. You won't be able to completely hear understand or appreciate the good news while you're consumed with negatives. But once God's perfect love is able to drive out all of those fears, all of those negatives, again, we open ourselves up and we position ourselves to not only hear, but to begin to receive the benefits, the blessings of the good news. God's word is filled with good news. It is filled with good promises because he is a good, good father. He knows how to bless, how to take care of his children. And the word of God is replete with guidance and insights on how to live this life in great victory. But in order to get the good news, the wonderful promises, the godly guidance, again, we have got to get beyond the negatives. And God is there waiting and ready. We just have got to invite him into the situation. Kind of like the disciples, we got to invite him into the boat. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind, or self-discipline. Like those shepherds, again, we've got to choose to move out of that fear and into the peace of Christ. Philippians 4, uh, chapter 4, verses 6 through 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Those are extremes, aren't they? 
I mean, you can't get any more extreme than that. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Now, again, there's a two thing there. Tell him what you need and then thank him for all that he has done. If you do this, guess what? You're gonna experience God's peace, which is the focus of our second candle this morning, isn't it? I'm giving you the keys to peace here this morning. He says, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand, because again, that's where the supernatural collides with the natural. And, he will, and his peace will guard your heart and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Man, that is 100% guarantee. You can take that to the bank. Again, do you realize we have allowed the cure for COVID to become worse than the disease itself? We have. That's what fear will do. I was reading an article this week that just shocked me. In Japan, the number of suicides for the month of October only has exceeded the number of COVID deaths for the whole year of 2020. Let me say that again. In one month, the number of suicides in the country of Japan have exceeded the whole calendar year 2020 of COVID deaths. In the month of October, there were 2,153 suicides in Japan, while the number for COVID deaths was only 2,087. That, that is, they're not having the, the, the COVID deaths there that we're having here, and yet look at the reaction. Look at the response. The rate of suicides across the world have exploded since this pandemic began. People are seeking medical treatment for depression and anxiety. It's just off the charts. I saw this week, I think it was on the Globe Gazette, they were reporting like, I think alcohol sales uh, in our country have increased about 230%. Isn't it interesting? We never have a shortage of that. Can't make enough toilet paper, but by golly, we're gonna make sure the shelves are filled with alcohol. 30, I saw this also. They said 31% increase of overdose deaths just in the state of Minnesota. The cure is worse than the disease. I mean, look at the effects that we're seeing right here uh, in our own country with all the shutdowns and restrictions of businesses across the country. I think they're saying at a, at a minimum like 800 small businesses a day are closing because they can't afford to remain open. I mean, just look at the jobless, the unemployment claims alone. I thought this was very, very interesting. In 1982, and that was a while back, okay, there were 695,000 first-time unemployment claims in a single week. Now, again, get that, get that in your mind. Back in 1982, for one week, there were first-time unemployment claims of 695,000, and that was a record that stood until this year. In 2020, we have far exceeded the number of 695,000 every week since the start of this pandemic. One time in 1982, it set a record that stood for almost 30 
eight years. And this year, we have beat that record every single week since this pandemic started. Just saw the numbers. I think, again, this last week, I, I think they were still over 700,000. For the year 2020, over 70 million people have filed first-time unemployment claims in a single week. That's almost as many people who voted for Donald Trump in 2020, just to give you a perspective. No other year in all of U.S. history have we ever come close to half that number of 70 million in a single year. The cure is worse than the disease. Unless some kind of COVID relief package is passed by Congress, I talked about this last week, they're claiming that uh, they're looking at over 40 million Americans could face eviction over the next several months. Many of these people, they simply cannot pay their bills, their rent, their mortgages due to job losses. And, and many of these people have been able to remain in their homes, their apartments, um, simply because there are moratoriums on evictions. And those are set to expire at the end of this year, giving banks and landlords the freedom to evict or to foreclose. The cure is worse than the disease. Food banks have seen dramatic increases uh, across the country since, since this pandemic uh, started. Here's a picture uh, uh, taken a couple of Saturdays ago. Can you put that up there for me, Megzi? That's a picture taken in Dallas, Texas, a couple of Saturdays ago. Over 8,500 people showed up at a food bank uh, to receive food distributions. This is playing out all across America. The cure is worse than the disease. Like those shepherds, their first reaction to those angels was fear. Their second reaction, their second response was to receive assurance. Our first reaction to COVID was fear, and rightly so. We didn't know a lot about it. We didn't really understand it. And many continue to react and to respond and to live in that fear when we need as believers to be able to move on to assurance and be comforted by the promises of God's word, by his power, by his presence working in us. As 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he who is at work in me than he that is in the world. God wants to do a greater work in you. Fear will always hinder that. Fear will always limit that greater work that God longs and desires to do in us. It's knowing that promise he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And we have allowed all of these negative emotions to overlay our fear and trust in the goodness and kindness of God. We have allowed fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, disbelief, to trump his love, his grace, and his mercy. It's time for us as a nation. It's time for us as the people of God. If you're stuck in fear, it's time to move out. It's time to move on to receive assurances. 
The third thing that they did was they feared and then they received assurances. And then it says they put their faith into action. Luke chapter two, verse 15 says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, come on, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they ran to the village and there they found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. Those shepherds, they believed the word of the Lord. They believed what those angels said to them. And they demonstrated that by going to the place where they were told to go. They obeyed the word of the Lord. Faith isn't faith until you put it into action. James 2.14 says, dear brothers and sisters, and again, he's talking to you and to me. What's the use of saying you have faith if you don't prove it by your actions? Those shepherds proved that they believed by putting it into action, and they went, and they found the Christ. They found the answer they were looking for and seeking. There may be some of you here this morning, and maybe you're in a place of crisis, in a place of difficulty. Maybe your life right now is in a place of turmoil, you're dealing with maybe tense situations in your workplace or you're just trying to work through a difficult situation in your personal life and you're looking for answers, you're looking for a solution. And I believe somewhere in the word of God, depending on the situation or the circumstance, God has promised a way for you through that, that there is an answer. And I'm guessing some of you may even know what that solution is, it's just you don't wanna act on it. Over the many years I've been a counselor, I mean, a pastor, I mean, I've lost count of the number of times people have come to me and they'll talk about a very difficult situation or circumstance uh, in their life and, I, and I've given to them what I really believe is the counsel of the Lord based upon his word and the Holy Spirit. And, and I'll, I'll believe that it really is what God wants them to do in this particular cir circumstance, to be able to walk through that and to walk into a place of victory. And they'll walk out of my office and they'll either do nothing or they'll do the exact opposite of what I've told them to do. And then they'll come back and tell me it didn't work. Listen to what Matthew 9, 30, uh, Chapter 9, verse 36, Jesus felt great pity for the crowds that came because their problems were so great and they didn't know where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. God sees our struggles. He's very acquainted with our problems. He sees the things that are happening in our life, both the good and the bad both the ups and the downs. God sees it all. And the Bible says he has compassion. He has pity. He has empathy for everything you and I are going through. And God longs, he desires as a good, good father to be able to come and to help us by responding to what his word says, by responding to how his spirit is leading. Do you remember those infamous uh, God billboards that they did? I, I don't know, did they still do those um, around? But they did them a few years back, and 
There were some really great ones um, in that, but there was one that kind of stood out uh, in my mind, and it was a picture of a chess board, um, and it had chess pieces on the, on the board, and they're kind of all uh, arranged in various pieces um, to kind of make it look like there was a game of chess uh, in progress, and the caption below it was, uh, it just said, God, and um, then it said, it's your move. There are some situations and circumstances in our lives where God has done all he can or will do in that situation, that circumstance. What he's doing is he's waiting for our response. In other words, God's saying, I've done this. I, I've provided this. Now it's your move. We've got to put our faith into action. And like those shepherds, again, when we act on the word of God, when we step out in faith, we will find all that we need. So the shepherds, they're terrified, they're filled with fear, they're reassured, they put their faith into action, and then um, the next step they took was they testified, they witnessed, they shared what God had done. Luke 2.17 says, then the shepherds told everyone what happened and what the angel said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. They were amazed at what they heard. Whether you realize it or not, these were some of the first evangelists in the New Testament. They probably didn't have a high school diploma I'm sure they didn't have any kind of, of college degree. They were just very simple, plain, ordinary men like you and me who had an encounter with the supernatural and it changed their lives and they were eager to go and to share with others what God had done. And again, the Bible's full of people who had an encounter where the natural kind of collides with the supernatural and their lives were dramatically impacted and changed. And a result of that transformation, they're very, very eager and willing and desirous to share with others what God had done. Remember in John 4, Jesus encounters that Samaritan woman at the well? I mean, again, there, there's just this wonderful conversation that takes place with Jesus and this woman. And as a result of this conversation that takes place, John 4, 28 says, the woman left her water jar. Remember, she had come there to get water. And it says she left the water jar beside the well, and she went back into the village, and she told everyone. So the people came streaming from the village to see this one whom she testified about. A couple of verses later, verse 39, it says many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I did. One person's testimony, a whole village was saved and transformed. Revelation 12, 11 says, and we overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. We overcome and then we can help others overcome. Like those shepherds, like that woman of the well, when we just share and testify what God has done. The final result in the lives of the shepherd that first night was they were filled with joy and praise. They start in fear and it ends with joy and praise. Luke 2.20 says the shepherds went back to their fields and flocks, 
glorifying and praising God for what the angel had told them because they had seen the child just as the angel said. Again, they started in fear, and as they walked with God, as they received the word, the promises, the, the, the testimony, as they kind of encountered everything that God had for them, God brings them out of that fear and into a place of great joy and praise. Isn't that where we want to be this Christmas season? I don't, I don't want to be locked over here in, in fear. Again, I recognize it. I understand it. I see it for what it is. I choose to just respond to that differently. As a child of God, as a believer, as someone filled with the Spirit of God, greater is he that is doing a work in me than anything that's happening in the world. That's where we wanna be. That is the hope of Christmas. That is the message of Christmas. That is the promise of Christmas. God wants the supernatural to invade, to collide with our natural. And when that happens, man, God just begins to move in huge, uh, you know, big ways. Amen? Amen? Let's go ahead and stand together. Father God, we just thank you for that witness of those shepherds. Man, they have a lot to teach us. They have a lot to show us. And so, God, we just want to open our hearts this morning. And, Father, we thank you for that testimony. We thank you for their witness. We thank you for their honesty, God. We thank you, God, that they did experience fear, but, God, they didn't stay there. They encountered you. They experienced you. They allowed you, they surrendered, they yielded to you, God. And in that surrendering and in that yielding, God, you did great and amazing things. And God, what you did for them, you longed to do for us. They show us what's possible. So Father, I just pray for any here this morning that for whatever reason are maybe locked into fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, that are maybe stressed out, that maybe just feel overcome this morning. There may be people here this morning without hope. That is not of you, God. And we thank you, Lord, that you come here this morning by your power, by the presence of your Holy Spirit. God, you come here this morning to transform, to change all of that. And so, Father, in those places of fear, we pray you'll open our eyes, Lord, to see what it is that we fear and in opening our eyes, God, you'll show us there's nothing to fear because you are perfect love, and that perfect love is there to cast out all of our fears, to deliver us from all of our worries. So, Father, this morning, we just come, and we thank you that you are here. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is here to do a greater, a deeper, transforming work in us. And we thank you that you have again promised to us everything pertaining to this life and to godliness. And that pretty much covers it all. And so Father, this morning, whatever those areas of needs that we have pertaining to this life, pertaining to godliness, 
Father, we pray this morning that you'll just turn our eyes, our focus upon you and know that you are the answer, you are the solution of every need that we have both in this life and in godliness. And so, Father, we just again thank you for your power and your presence with us, in us, and through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.